He's Jonathan. He's Timothy. And this is Project 1517. Scripture, Theology, Life. beloved is not toward new ideas or new ways of life. Jude's call is to simply remember. It's a call to return to God's word, to the word of the apostles. Jude calls each of us to evaluate our desires in the light of God's word. This feels a little bit like deja vu. Maybe you notice that here as we're diving into verse 17. All of a sudden, you got Jude replicating, duplicating a, a number of things he's already done. <laughs> really four things. All of a sudden, you hear him uh, saying to us, dear friends. All of a sudden, you hear him saying to us, telling us again to remember um, some things. All of a sudden, again, you hear him talking about godless people and and false teachers. And then he repeats these themes of keeping, and he tells us how to do it. So um, what we're noticing here, uh, in summary, is that Jude has started a brand new section of his teaching here in verse 17. Doesn't that look about right? Well, yeah, I I think that's right. He's He's definitely in full transition mode. So, like, we had... If we can remember that hot air balloon ride that we took at the beginning of of this season of Project 1517, we, we said that Jude used a number of texts and he would he would bring the text and then he would comment on it by saying these people, these these people, these people. And he did that with the Old Testament. He did that with um, two pseudepigraphal works, one called The Assumption of Moses, one called First Enoch. But now he's introducing, like you said, um, a transition uh, encouragement. So he's, he's going back to dear friends, like he did in verse 3, and he's going to do that again in verse 20. He's going to use that idea of remembrance, the motif of remembrance. But then he's going to state his text. And then he's going to go back and say these people again. Because this is, this is like his big culminating statement about the false teachers. And then he's going to move into some encouragements by how to live as a believer among false teachers. You see that? So, yeah, so right. He's just, then I think it's really important to help this transition take on a little bit of life. We've spent a lot of time. <laughs> I don't know how long you and I commented through uh, verses, uh, you know, 5 to 16, really the body <laughs> of the letter there it took us a while. And it was it was hard stuff, right? Like looking at these false teachers, we saw people get swallowed into the ground. We saw all kinds of, of difficult things to handle. And uh, Jude's really trying to convince us, hey, you don't want to be a part of this flock. You don't want to be a part of the flock of, of these false teachers who are only leading people to destruction. 
And he's, to me, I don't know how you experience this, but here in verse 17, you have this huge, this huge but, and that's not an anatomical comment. It's a, <laughs> log, it's a logical content, <laughs> a logical, it's hard when you don't have a text, so I'll try to help people see that. But yeah. So you have this logical connection here, and all of a sudden he says, dear friends, and I actually like it better in the Greek here than, than I like it in the NIV because he says, beloved. He says, beloved, and man, that makes my heart sore to hear Jude call me that as I'm reading his letter. Like Jude saying, look, I know you're not a part of that right now, and God loves you, and I love you, and you're in dear relationship with God. And I want all of our listeners who have kind of come out of the dark spaces of where false teachers lead you and, and sense that with Jude and with us, that, hey, you're beloved, you're, you're loved by God, and you are in this secure position with Him. It, isn't that a beautiful thing to think about? It's, it's almost like a black-on-white contrast, because we just spent, like, the whole body of the letter, very intensely, Jude says, he calls them ungodly people over and over and over again. These ungodly people. And all of a sudden we get to verse 17. It's like a jolt of Mountain Dew in the morning or something. But dear friends, be oh. beloved. <laughs> so we're not, yeah. among, we're not among the sin and the doom of the, of the ungodly people. We are people who have been baptized, who have been washed, who are found in Christ. And that makes yeah. us beloved. And that puts all the fight into our souls, too, you know, if you think about it, which is part of the thing, you know. And I, sa- I use the word fight on, on purpose because, remember, Jude's big idea here is he's contending for the faith. And what he's about to do, this is, he, he's given us some fight in our souls, right? Uh, what he's about to do is tell us exactly how he wants us to contend. And the first thing, and so he's going to, he's really going to tell us um, three big things about how he wants us to contend for the faith. And the first thing he tells us to do is remember. (laughs) Yeah, remember. That's actually the first. He tells us to remember. It's the first imperative in the book, actually. Everything else is an indicative. And I know, you know, that's grammatical stuff right there. Yeah, right. My eyes just glazed over. <laughs> everything, 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 everything Jude said before that is either optative or indicative. In other words, this is going to happen. This is going to happen. Um, whether you like it or not, it's going to happen. And most of it was the sin and the doom of the ungodly people. But now for the first time in the book, Jude's gonna, he's going to give an imperative to his beloved, and it is to remember. Yeah, I want to I want to say a couple things, and Timothy, jump in here too about this idea of of remember. Uh, the first thing that I want to say about it is sometimes I think we as Christians think how boring, you know, like ugh, tell me something new, give me something different, be innovative for a change, you titillate me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like show me something I've never heard or known before. And what Jude says is, the best thing that you can do is go back to what you've already been taught is true from the Word of God. Just remember that. 
That's remember. the most holy, blessed thing you can do is just remember. Go back to that. So it's, we don't always have to be on this constant voyage for new truth. <laughs> but rather, the best truth is the oldest truth and the truest truth. In fact, like, we should probably feel a bit suspicious if, you know, we've been going to church for a long, long time, and we go home from church and said, and say, that's something I've never heard before. <laughs> yeah, right, right. You know, we should probably be suspicious of that. Yeah, if it's not in line with the gospel or God's law. Uh, so anyway, he says, he says, remember. The other thing is, um, we want to put, put these terms inside the con- context of the Bible. And the term remember is not just, you, you might say, like the drawing of information from a cell in your brain. Like it's, it's, not, it's not just a recollection of a piece of data that is in there somewhere, you know, like you're flashing a neuron somehow. But remembering in the Bible carries with it not just the recollection of data, but also the movement of, of, a, of your heart. So, like, maybe the most, you might say, memorable scene of this is when Jesus is prayed to on the cross by the thief, and uh, the thief prays, Lord Jesus, you know, remember me. And mm-hmm. the idea, like, it's, it's not like the thief was just saying, think of me nicely when I'm dead. You know, <laughs> like, it's, that's, that's not really it, but rather... When, when you think of me, Jesus, uh, your heart is going to be moved, your will is going to be moved to, to do something about my condition, which, of course, it was. It absolutely was. Jesus says, hey, you're going to be with me in paradise today. And so, uh, remembering is a powerful, powerful, uh, not only retrieval of data in your mind, but also a movement of your heart. And so, you remember. And the reason, what here's what you said, and we should talk here just for a second about what. So he says, remember well, be, what. Before you move on, though, I mean, I actually, you thought of the thief of the cross. For me, the most moving call to remembrance is actually the resurrection. I mean, Luke's gospel, he's got a whole hermeneutic of remembrance. And that at the cross or at the resurrection, but... The, the way that the angels called the women to faith was through remembrance. Remember, oh, what remember he told the words you. of Jesus. Yeah. Remember what mm-hmm. he told you. And, and they were like, oh, that's right. <laughs> he did yeah. say that he was going to rise from the dead. And that's where their fear um, finally became mixed with joy. And, mm. and, and their doubt became mixed with faith, and their hearts began to rise again. Um, so, this remembrance is just huge. It's huge for Jude. It's huge for Luke. Um, and we could probably track other biblical authors here. But like you said, Jude here, has got, he's got a remem- uh, hermeneutic, hermeneutic of remembrance, first imperative in the whole book. And um, he wants them to remember... Again, 
what the apostles, he says, what the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ foretold. Mm. The most, the, the people that Jesus called to give us his teaching, the apostles. The apostles. You know? Yeah. We're, 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 we're at the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, it's, it, we have to get into this text that, that Jude gives us here from an apostle. But I want to just stop for a second and say this. Isn't God awesome? <laughs> he already knew this stuff was going to happen. Nothing is beyond his control. Nothing is beyond his knowledge. And he, God knows it in such a clear way that he's having his apostles foretell this stuff. They're prophesying. It's going to happen. It's totally going to happen. We're prophesying this. God is that good. He is that powerful. He is that wise. Now, we're going to come back to that idea here at the end of Jude, but um, I think we can see it here now um, in, this, in this prophecy here that, that we're given in verse 18. Now, this is what it says. Now, it says, they said to you. So, this is plural. Uh, this, this is more than one apostle. And then we get this text. Here's the quote. In the last times, there will be scoffers who will follow their own ungodly desires. This is the prophecy that that we're given here. Yeah, so, I mean, this is something that the apostles said, plural, the, not just one apostle. So, this is like high on the apostles list that they want to talk about this, this prophecy about the last times. But it's also said to the recipients of the letter. It says, to you. And Jew doesn't say that as he introduces any of the other quotes. This is, this is a really, um, this is something that many scholars think that the recipients of the letter actually heard personally from the apostles. So this is huge. Like an apostle showed up in their pulpit one Sunday. Yeah, he's, and they said, one of the apostles said to him, or several of them, in one way or another, in the last times, there's going to be scoffers and they're going to follow their own desires. Super powerful, isn't it? To have, to have the people who preached in your church, you call to, to memory what I'm sure would have been an incredible sermon. I mean, I'm sure your people appreciate your preaching, Timothy, and and my mine my people just put up with mine. That's what they do. But these to have an apostle uh, show up in your church, like and preach to you on a Sunday. You don't you don't forget that. You don't Whoa, ever forget that yeah. somebody a- who walked with Jesus and saw him, and that's the highlight of your life. You know, as a Christian, <laughs> to hear from an apostle of Jesus. And they said to you, wow, that's super, super personal. Very personal. Um, Now, he says, in the last times. Now, uh, I know there's a lot of debate in the Christian world about about what the last times are. Now, you and I have have a similar view on this, but the New Testament certainly presents it the same way you and I understand it, that the last times kick off after the life and work of Jesus. 
So we are in the last times We're right living. now. And yes. and Jude thinks that too. Like there's not there's not going to be another time that's like more extreme last or something like that. This is this is it. This is the end of days. We're in it. And Jude is saying Jude is saying to them right here right now, they were in it too. So as soon as Jesus has done his work, see what I'm saying? Exactly. We're in the yeah. last we're in the last times, and these prophecies now apply to us. We don't have to wait for like a later time or a later day when these prophecies are going to become more relevant or something like that. They are absolutely relevant right now. And so that here's what, here's what we're supposed to be looking for. There's going to be scoffers who follow their own ungodly desires. Now, I, I want to I key in on that term scoffer for a second and point out now, some of you are maybe thinking biblically, like where where did the apostles actually write about this? We do have a text from Second Peter three verse three that goes like this, and I want you to notice the scoffer's term in here, and because it, it only shows up in these two places in the Bible, Second Peter three three, and then here in Jude. Uh, in Second Peter, it says, "In the last days, scoffers will come scoffing." So you have that uh, duplication there, and following. Um, many, uh, now I can't read, their own evil desires. So you have, it's not, it's not a word for word quote, but you see a lot of the same ideas there. And the, one of the big ideas there is of course, scoffing. Timothy, what do you make of that? Yeah, well, I mean, when I think of scoffing, I think of the people who scoffed at Jesus and, and mocked him when he was on the cross. And um, and so these false teachers are going to be, they're going to mock God. They're going to, they're going to say, um, you guys don't have the truth. And, and they're going to be like, what are you, what are you waiting for? Why he's not coming back. It's been 2000 years now, like those types of things. And, um, they're going to also follow their own desires. And so like, we've talked about this before in this, in this season of project 1517, but um look the things that you want to do and and this is huge for our times i think like if you're feeling like i want to do something bubbling up in your heart uh all of us including me we need to examine that um because is it right is it wrong yeah is this passion in line with what god wants for his creation for me and for others because look, usually the things that we want to do and the fir- like our first reaction to things is wrong. It's sinful. And like, I'll give you an example of it. Like when I get pushed on the subway in New York, my desire is to push back. You know, that's, that's what I want to do. And that's what Jude's talking about here. That's what the apostles are talking about when they said they follow their own. These are people who don't examine themselves. They don't look at themselves almost from afar and say, is this moral according to God? Is this right? Uh, what I want to do. Um, it's, it, it's people who, who say to themselves, you know, this feels good to me. Um, but they don't examine that according to scripture. The, these are the people Judah, Judah's talking about. 
they have they they're single minded in their will. They're single minded in their passions, and they pursue that without thinking about it at all. Now, scoffing, they're so single minded about it. Scoffing, Melanie and I, my wife, we we watch TV now with sub with captions, and so. Um, I've become really aware of scoffing because it'll say on the screen, scoff. <laughs> what? <laughs> it, it said, it'll say on the screen, like with the captions, it'll say scoff. And it, it's just, a, it's really a verbal tick. You just go, that's a scoff. You know, that's, that's a scoff. And so what are, what are they scoffing at? They're scoffing at anything that would tell them your passion or this particular passion or desire is something you can't do. It's sin. And you yeah. like an inner revulsion comes up and you say, you can't do that. Ugh. Yes, I can. You know, it's like this inner disgust that wells up in you and you verbalize it with a scoff. And so you feel that strongly about it. Um, and so... There's there's one there is one question here and, and I'll let the I'll let the listeners just uh, think about this for themselves. Um, what is it that's causing the scoff? Um, I think there's two possible explanations for it, uh, and maybe they're both pretty good and both related here. One is that you're just so single-minded about what you you want, what you want. You're not going to let anybody stop stop you. And God does not exist. His will does not exist. His, his what he wants for you doesn't exist for you. And so you just scoff at any idea that maybe there's something better for you, a better way to behave. Um, and then another way to think about it is they scoff at any idea that they're going to be held accountable for what they do. So there's no coming judgment, uh, no time at all when they're going to have to stand before God and be outed for it. They just scoff at this idea of final judgment. And I think both are here in Jude, and both can explain this idea of scoffing that's here. Uh, now Jude, he he then advances this as idea. He says, okay, remember this. Uh, remember what it to his, his time, too, like what's happening in the churches. Right? Yeah, and he says this in verse 19. He says, these are the people who divide you, who follow mere natural instincts and do not have the spirit. Now, I have a lot to say about this. Uh, so does Jude. First of all, <laughs> so, does, so does Jude. These He's are the people. So first of all. Instincts and desires and will. Um, Right. So he he's first of all he's demonizing these people. So he's demonizing these people who are saying you can do whatever you want with your body, um, and he says particularly in in the life of the church, these are the people who divide you. These are the real schismatics, the real sectarians. Um, I, I've taken a lot of hits personally in in my life people that I care about, people that I love, who accuse me of being a sectarian teacher because um, I'm going to continue to teach the will of God. And I, and I haven't changed, and I'm not going to change. And for me, and I, I want to comfort our, our uh, listeners too and say that when, when you're a part of a church that fights for, for God's word and its truth, and remember here what the apostles taught us, 
yeah, people who fight that, people who say that you're uh, trying to make the tent of the church too small, they're actually the real sectarians. They're the ones who have left the church. They're the ones who have divided the church. It's not us. We, I mean, we love everybody. We want everybody to come to the knowledge of the truth and be a part of it and be a part of the church. But we can't make the tent of the church bigger than it actually is. Well, and Jude, to me, he actually says something incredibly stunning. He says, these are the people who divide you, who follow mere natural instincts. And we've talked about being a dog or a goat, you know, as far as that goes. But then he says, and do not have the spirit. Ooh, those are fighting words. Those are fighting words. So he's actually Ooh. saying these people are not Christian. The, these people are in the, uh, the visible church, but they are not, to use Lutheran terminology, they are not in the invisible church. The spirit does not dwell in their hearts. Yeah, they're not Christians, actually. That's an incredible yeah. statement. The, the other thing is, and, and Jude is so smart on this, is, uh, Timothy, I've sat with a lot of people uh, who, and, and this is not a political comment, this is not a political comment, this is a Christian comment. So, But I've, I've spent a lot of people within the progressive side of, of what people would call Christianity. You know, Jude wouldn't call it Christianity here. He would, he would say they do not have the Spirit of God, and that's what we just commented on. But the people that I've spent time with, um, when you ask them, and I've tried to listen to them and understand them, and when you ask them and you say, how can you, uh, wh- why do you have this belief? What they will say, what they will inevitably say is that we've learned something new. So I'll say, okay, here's the scripture and here's what it says. And why, why do you believe differently? They will say, we've learned something new. We've prayed about this. We have the Spirit. Uh, and God's Spirit has guided us now in 2017. We have new information. Um, we've been enlightened. And Jude says, no, you haven't. He says, whatever you, you think you have going on, that's not the Spirit of God. And well, it's a stunning, stunning comment. You're right. I mean, we've, in some ways, we've lost the spirit of of humanism. You know, of of going back to the source. Like we, the world, the culture used to believe that actually going back as far back in history as you can to the source was the best thing to do. Like the old things were the best things. Um, because they were the pure things. And, and the culture is actually completely flipped on its head now where we want new ideas. Um, that's the whole premise of the TED Talks, you know, like we want new ideas, we want new this, we want new that. And so the new things are better instead of going back to the old things um, that are better. And, and as, as far as from a biblical perspective, then, you know, again, what Jude does is he he's really focused on the old things. That's why he's, he, whenever he has an encouragement, he's going back to a text. Um, he's going back to the apostles. He's going back to the prophets. He's going back to the Old Testament. Um, and, and he's not looking for the new things. Because that's where the Spirit is. That's where the Spirit is. The language. Yeah, that's where the Spirit is. What a call to hear God's word, to listen to the apostles, 
and just rest our hearts in the fact that we do have the Spirit and we do have knowledge and we do have wisdom that's absolutely heavenly. podcasting scripture one book of the bible at a time for more information visit www.project1517.com or our facebook page we do invite you to support this ministry by sharing this podcast with family and friends and by giving us a good review on itunes you can also help with the costs of its production by giving a gift on our website this is project 1517 scripture theology life